FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Everybody, welcome to episode 236 of the podcast that goes snicked. That kind of rhymes. <laughs> anyway, I'm your host, Jason Venable, and it's time for Resurrection Week 8. Kind of. Anyway, um, a little bit of a cheat. Uh, first of all, we are going to talk about the resurrection titles for week 8. But unfortunately, between schedules, a.k.a. mine, um, and having a sink, uh, a sink, I, I do have a sink, I have a few, I have some in the kitchen, some in the bathrooms, but what I meant to say is having a sick toddler, also complicated um, issues, and I really just kind of had to find just whatever random 30 minutes I could to talk about this, and so I was not able to get... Dan or Georgie on this week. Though I do have a few things to say from them, or that they, they sent me to say. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. It's also a little bit of a cheat because I'm going to talk about Old Man Logan number 24, which is not really a resurrection title because that book doesn't really resurrect itself until number 25 with a new creative team. This is actually the last pre-resurrection story. Um... The conclusion of past lives, which Marvel.com called a blockbuster. Mm-mm, nope. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, it's the end of Lemire's run. I think, I think he still has to end Moon Knight, but this is like the last dregs of his um, Marvel tenure, which there was some good, some bad, but you know, obviously, in this little corner of the universe, wasn't super stoked about his. Um, Contribution to the X universe, though this, well, we'll get to the, what he did on this book in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to talk about Old Man Logan number 24. We're going to talk about Generation X number 2. And we're going to talk about Cable number 1. And that's what we're going to do. All right, well, first up is Old Man Logan number 24, Past Lives, part 4 of 4, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Eric Wynn. Colors by Andre Mosa. Letters by VC's Corey Pettit. What's that? Woohoo! On the wind. Um, the cover is, of course, by Andrea Sorrentino and Maiolo doing the colors. And it's a pretty sweet cover. It holds with the theme of this arc, which the covers have been the best part. It's been Wolverine in different time periods, or Logan in different time periods, in the same pose, kind of looking down arms crossed, or arms kind of held out with the claws extended, and the claws kind of crossed to make a little X. And then we have, have had kind of different colored hues of cover collages from those time periods. So this one, of course, is full Old Man Logan, including his nice little trench coat, and standing behind him as a collage, and this time in an orangey-red hue of a bunch of the most recent run of Old Man Logan covers. Well, not that's not true. There's some of the original with, uh, you know, Miller or Millar and McNiven uh, kind of back there. 
Um, so anyway, it's a great cover. Eh, you know, great cover. That's what I've said on all these issues, and this one is no exception. Sorrentino is the beast, and him and Maiolo work excellently together. Anyway, if you remember from this story, uh, Magic Asshat sent Wolverine Spirit uh, traversing through time with a magic amulet. His goal was to get back to his future past and save the Hulk baby. Um, but when he got there, finally, after taking a trip down memory lane through kind of the highlights of all the classic big Wolverine stories, I guess, um, then he realized his family was, he got there at a time when his family was still alive. And he decided, you know what, to hell with it. I'm just going to stay here. And he smashed his little amulet, and that's where we pick up. So we pick up in the wastelands, the future past with, um, or past future, I don't know. Anyway, with him waking up next to his wife, Maureen, and just interacting with his kiddos. It's actually kind of, excuse me, actually kind of charming. Um, Scotty helps him work on a tractor. Jade's building a, a project for Daddy, she says. We don't know what it is quite yet. Um, back in the present, Magic Asshat gets attacked by the X-Men. Remember last time, uh, Logan, as he was tra- jumping through bodies, told Iceman, hey, on this day at this time, I'm going to need your help. And they show up. And this is actually probably the best part of the book. Um, Iceman shows up like Wolverine. His hair, his icy hair, uh, is Wolverine style with the big chops and the wild hair. And he's got ice claws. And, yeah, just by far the best best part of the book. Um, him and Gene show up to take care of the magic ass hat. But he's like, nope. I can't do anything. I can't reverse the spell. Logan's spirit is lost. And we know as a reader because he broke the amulet, right? So he can't come home. Anyway, he realizes that this is the day that the Hulks are going to come attack leading up to the death of his family. And he realizes just... And he's going to say... He's going to end it now, right? He's going to pop his claws, take the Hulks out now, consequences be damned. But he can't. Remember this whole kind of story. He's tried to change things, and he can do little things, but every time he tries to change something major, the time stream won't let him. So he takes his beating in front of his family. They're super worried about him, and he realizes that no matter what happens, his family's going to die, and also no matter what happens, Hope Baby's going to grow up to be a monster. Then J.D. comes out, the project she was working on is she put back together his necklace. And Logan is faced with the decision. You can um, leave them and lose them, but have this extra memory of them being alive and happy so he can jump back right from this moment and not have to see them die. Or he can stay and watch them die and, and fail his mission anyway. So he tells them all how much he loves them and he jumps back and sees that Iceman and Gene came to rescue him, and he decides to take a walk. He chunks the amulet into the water and says, maybe it's time I started living again and let the past be the past. You know, it's really not a bad ending. If you remember, when Denise and I first talked about part one, that we really enjoyed kind of, really more than the story, just the interplay and the banter between Logan and Magic Asshat. And, um... 
That part was really fun. And this part was actually not not so much fun. Not a whole lot of fun here. A little bit. Ice, Iceman Wolverine was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> but other than that, uh, fairly serious and kind of, you know, emotional, which Lemire could do. I mean, if you read his other stuff, his Green Arrow run, uh, Descender, I'm very capable of being a pretty good writer and doing good emotional stuff. We get a glimpse of that here. Um, couple of things. It, it, it came at the end of what felt like just a very kind of mailing it in story. But the ending is not bad, right? Uh, the ending is actually kind of, kind of worth reading. Um, the art is very just kind of okay. Um, the only problem I have is I feel like we've already done this. I feel like we just kind of arbitrarily took a step back so Logan can once again decide it's time to live in this timeline, which is like kind of every story. He's At the end, he's like, time to let go of the past, time to quit changing the future and just live in this timeline. Just enjoy life, be Logan, hang out with the X-Men, do what I need to do. I feel like every story, that's like the... the the arc so like he keeps i don't know somehow resetting in ways we're not aware of as the reader right like we don't see any regression we just at the end of every story he's like all right time for me to move on and so that to me detracts from this a little bit especially i don't know i don't really know what i expected i mean i know i actually haven't read very many articles so i don't know this i don't know if lemire just is kind of like well People aren't really digging my X-Men. I'm just going to, you know, go back to my, my creator and stuff. And thanks, Marvel. And it was a, just kind of an agreeable split. Or if he was kind of fired without being fired. You know, I don't really know, like, like what his motivation for leaving was. So I don't know what kind of um, motivation he had to try to go out on a high note or not. So I don't know. Maybe he did mail this in. Or maybe... He just, maybe he really wanted to touch on these moments in Wolverine's history and it just kind of felt, I don't know, a little lame. Um, but like I said, first part of the story, part one of four, pretty good. Part four of four, not too bad, but can't quite separate from those middle two parts which are just kind of there. Um, and I won't lie, had uh, Felipe Andrade drawn this, probably would have given it a little higher marks. Um... When it's art's not bad. There's some moments. It's just kind of, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. Just, just felt a little flat to me. And maybe it's just the story and everything tied together. But um, anyway, um, I'm going to give Old Man Logan number 24, three out of six claws. Um... So that's it for Lemire. Um, he's officially done with anything X-Men related. Like I said, I think he still has a uh, to wrap up his story on Moon Knight before he leaves Marvel for good. But um, so yeah, so I've I've talked at length about how much I really didn't care for what he did with Extraordinary X-Men. His Old Man Logan run was a little different, and I've made comments in the past. I don't know if, whether to attribute that to maybe he's just not as good with team books, right? But it's just weird. It was always weird because Old Man Logan in this book felt like a different character than he was in Extraordinary X-Men and being the same writer, just very strange thing going on there. But anyway, 
his Old Man Logan volume, these 24 issues, was up and down. There were parts of it that were really interesting, and of course, always helped by having Sorrentino as the art for most of it, right? The artist did most of the issues, and that made everything Lemire did a little bit better. Um, even some of the dirty things were, were polished and turned into gold, right? Um, but even without the art, regardless of the art, there there were parts of his run that were pretty good. Some stuff I gave some pretty high marks to. Um, but don't think Denise enjoyed it quite as much as me. A little bit, maybe why she bailed on it a little bit. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so I, I don't know, but overall... I think what, what they really had to do, and I don't know. I don't know what all, there's, there could be so much in the background I'm just not privy to. I don't know what all the editorial mandates were. You know, now we know that Generations is coming up. Will Old Man Logan even still be around after that? Was it ever an intent for this character to stick around after the inevitable eventual return of just regular Logan? Um, I don't know. So, so there is maybe that question of how much could they really do? Like, how much can they really change? And and there's always that question of, can you even tell a story that matters when you're, you're hamstrung? I don't know. I don't feel like that's the only thing that happened here. I feel like Lemire just kind of wanted to tell some stories that just weren't quite up my alley all the time. Some of them really were. Some of them really weren't. Um, and this last one is an example of one that wasn't so much. Um... But his, his run was not bad on Old Man Logan itself. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to say about it that I haven't. If you, if you want to hear my thoughts on individual issues, they are all out there. And would love for you to go give them a listen and agree or disagree with me. Um, if you, there's some big Lemire fans out there that, that like this and like it, not just because they're a Lemire apologist, but because they really enjoy it. Because... I should be, right? Like I said, uh, he and Sorrentino, I love the Green Arrow run. Descender is, I think, a fantastic book. Again, with an epic artist. So maybe that's some of it, right? Maybe it depends on who's drawing the stuff. I don't know. I won't lie, I haven't read a whole lot um, of his other DC stuff. Just was books I wasn't really looking to get into at the time. Um, maybe I'll go back at some point. Maybe I won't. <laughs> I don't know. But um, anyway, the the stuff I've read of it, the stuff that I, you know, intentionally and proactively picked up, I've enjoyed for the most part. I don't know what the misstep was with the X Men universe, but anyway, uh, peace out, Lemire. But I'll still see it uh, in Descender. So cool. Uh, looking forward to the next team, seeing what they have to do. Uh, Ed Brisson, who, of course, I love, sheltered. And his Iron Fist is pretty good so far. Feels um, kind of that same kind of tournament kung fu thing going on. Mortal Kombat! Um, you know that several of the last kind of solo Iron Fist series have, have done at one point or another. But a little twist. And, of course, again, art helps out. Mr. Perkins doing a great job. Um, anyway, he's going to come over to Old Man Logan with number 25, and Mike Diodato Jr. is doing the art, so that should be pretty cool, and then, of course, the cover for next time has the, uh, 
the maestro, another time-displaced Hulk creature. So, see how that goes. Haven't always loved the maestro, but, you know, we will see. But anyway, uh, this series ends with issue, or not ends, uh, this this era of the series ends. They should just do a new number one, right? And that's what Marvel does all the time. I don't know why they made this the exception. It's a resurrection book. Just start it over. You know, until Generations comes and it gets canceled. <laughs> anyway, Old Man Logan, number 24, three out of six claws. That takes us to Generation X, number two. I don't care. <laughs> just to be completely honest. Uh, these two res- official resurrection books for week eight were very meh. Um, let's see what old Dan and Georgie had to say. Um, Georgie just with both of them said, uh, so basically, with the exception of Weapon X and Blue, X-Men Blue, of course, Marvel continues to put out bad X books. Oh, and he also said Wolverine was worth reading. Um... That's kind of all he really had to say. I uh, thought both books were kind of boring. Didn't have much to say beyond that. Um, as Generation X and Cable. And um, so Generation X is written by Christina Strain. Art by Amakar Pena. Colors are by Felipe Sobrero with J. David Ramos and Chris Sotomayor. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and the cover are by the Dodsons. And it's a fine cover. We have our Generation X kids and some coveralls cleaning up the school. Quentin Choir has a telepathic mop. Um, iBoy and Nature Girl and our other kids are, are cleaning up. In the background... Um, the X Extraordinary Team is fighting the Purifiers. Or no, wait, I guess that's the X-Men Gold Team. Sorry. Yeah, the X-Men Gold Team is fighting the Purifiers. Which is funny, because in the book, our Generation X team fights the Purifiers. Basically, we remember that the Purifiers showed up in Central Park to attack the Institute. Not really just a school anymore. It's also an outreach center and blah, blah, blah. Um, Kitty... Dem- uh, demotes and Generation X kids to help protect the library, including the humans who are going to shelter there. Of course, Quentin Choir has none of that and basically tries to get... <laughs> There's a funny part where he tells the purifiers to quit hitting themselves and they continue to punch themselves silly. Then he has them start to kill each other and Kitty stops him. Then one lone purifier infiltrates the library. But, um... He, of course, is defeated by Jubilee. And they're going to put the school back together, but they're not going to be X-Men. The art's fine. The story's fine. Whatever. Um, Here's what Dan had to say. Of course, Dan Cole from the Intercomics podcast. Um, He said, Gen X number two is a minor improvement over the first. The art is still a sort of selling point. But the script isn't really doing much. Quentin is clearly MVP and the focus on him might help the book grow. Maybe. I really enjoyed Quentin and Wolverine and the X-Men. So I can see how that might work. Um, I know the art is fine. I'm not quite ready to call it a selling point. Um, but I'm glad it is. I'm glad it's working better for Dan. I'm 
I'm glad to happy to hear that. Um, it's, it's not bad. It's just and it's interesting. I feel like it's a little less quirky than issue one. I thought I thought it played a little straighter, which I don't think is necessarily the best choice. Um, but anyway, I just didn't. I don't know. I just it's kind of bored reading it, to be honest. Um, Dan didn't give a rating. I'm assuming from his comments, he's in the two, probably more likely three out of six range. Um, I guess I'm right there with him in the two, three out of six range. Um, I, you know, another Intercomics podcast guy, Mr. Jack Chambers, has the rule of three. He likes to give, whenever he has a book that he actually like, wants to try and maybe it doesn't quite knock his socks off, he always gives it three issues to see. That's probably what I'm going to do here. If it hasn't sold me by the third issue, I will probably drop this book. Um, but this one, I don't know. I, I think the, the problem with it is it doesn't really make me care about the kids so much. I like Quentin to a degree, though he's pretty prickish here. Um, which, that's him, right? But sometimes he's a charming brick, and sometimes he's just a brick. Um... Anyway, uh, Brew, of course, I've always liked to see Brew. Um, a lot of the other kids, I just don't really care that much about. Um, yeah, uh, Generation X number two. You know what? I'm going to give it some very boring two out of six claws for me. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Now, moving to a book that I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to give it the rule of three or not. Um... I'll do the credits first. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna give Dan's opinions before we even get to the summary. Um, so cable number one, Conquest Chapter One, written by James Robinson, penciled by Carlos Pacheco, inks by Rafael Fontarez, colors by Jesus Albertov, uh, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! Cover is by Dale Keown and Jason Keith. And then there's graphic design done by Jay Bowen and Anthony Gambino, which I don't know if that's just this this art on the title page, the double page spread, like the character design, or not character, like the word design, logo, stuff like that. That's fine. It looks cool. Not too bad. Um, and the cover by Mr. Keown is fine. Um, it's actually it's pretty decent. Uh, we see some future. We see a Torah Parker Industries building. Cable is decked to the nines in 90s attire, playing on that 90s nostalgia again, right? Which is a lot of what Resurrection seems to be doing. He's got stuff on straps and X buttons and pouches and big guns and even a shoulder pad for good measure. Um, It's well drawn. We'll, We'll talk about the costume in a second. But first, here's what Dan had to say. Cable number one is a lifeless book. I, th- I think I swore that there. Not because I'm drinking. No, I am. But <laughs> anyway. Um, Cable number one is a lifeless book with no actual hook. It just exists. The art is functional but not memorable. A low two out of six claws. And I agree with everything Dan says. Um, Cable is jumping through time. He goes to the Old West and fights some guys with space future guns. 
And then he goes to is it ancient Japan. Anyway, in the desert, he sees uh, some crop circles in the sand. It looks kind of celestial-ish. I think that's probably going to be the hook. That's not really there. I agree with Dan. Um, yeah, it is ancient Japan, 1543. And he fights some uh, ronin with laser swords. And the laser swords do look kind of cool. They're all, like, pixelated. Not bad. The art's not bad. Um, the problem is... And they go with a character design that matches the cover, and I just don't care for it. Um, I understand, right, trading on the nostalgia, which Dan has talked about on several of the Resurrection episodes, and I, I think he's right. Um, but the thing, this, this this cable, they went with a design that is so 90s looking, but it's not cheeky, and it's not ironic. In fact, there's, this book is very devoid of humor couple of one-liners and they don't quite work. Um, some tough talking, of course, from Cable. Tough as nails. Uh, you know, kind of a Clint Eastwood type character, right? Um, or Arnold. <laughs> 90s action movie star. Um, yeah, just the choice is weird. It's, it's 90s, but unironically 90s with all the... The pouches and, and stuff and shoulder pad. And, and the shoulder pads, it's not life-filled massive, but it's still there. Um, yeah, I don't know. And just weird choices in this book. And nothing actually happens. I think the little things we see, we see another one in Japan. There's kind of markings in the ground. I think it's going to be celestial-related. That's my guess. Um, Dan or Georgie, feel free to to toss out your other opinions, and hopefully we can talk a little bit about this when y'all are on next week again. Um, but anyway, I'm, yeah, two out of six for me. I'm so bored. Like I said, art, other than the choice, which I wonder how much uh, Carlos even got to choose any of that. Um, he draws it fine. I just think it's weird. The big guns, and just, we're going, we're regressing on cable here a little bit. Um, I don't know. I guess I'll try number two, probably, just to see, maybe, just to find out if I'm right <laughs> about the celestial thing. Um, and if I'm wrong, then who really cares about that either? Anyway, I'm just very, very bored with this book. Nothing really happened. Even the action was kind of just, eh. And creators, two creators are normally, like, all right, right? Like, even more than all right, usually. So, this, I don't know. This, didn't, this one didn't quite hit it for me. So, cable number one, two out of six claws. All right. I promise for Resurrection Week 9, we'll try to get the gang back together. Get Georgie and Dan on here. Um, their Twitter's, of course, Dan is... Um, where did my, my phone locked up? Dan is at Gizmo151183. And Georgie is at LA Boy Toys. So, go follow them. Hit them up. Tell them you missed them this week and curse them. Or not, no, no, no. Bad Jason. I'm going to say curse me for them because I wasn't able to, to make the episode work right. <laughs> um, so, you know, tweet them and say, that Jason is sure is a sucker. He's a he's a big old pile of turds for not having you guys on. Um, and I'll agree with you. I'll retweet it. Um, anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. A little shorty. 
a little shorty in your short shorts. Um, yeah. So I really hope my, my goal, besides what I just said about getting our resurrection episodes back on track for week nine, I also really hope that the next episode will be a flashback episode, which will be the Gehenna Stone Affair, which is recorded and has been recorded for, you know, at least a week or so at this point. And work has just been cray-cray, like I talked about earlier, a, a sick toddler in the sink. <laughs> Of a terrible callback. Anyway, yeah, uh, just haven't really had the time to edit it like I want to. Um, but it's a really great episode, and I hope to have that out really soon. And a first-time guest, no stranger to podcast, um, Allison Dano came on for that one. So it's, yeah, just really, really good. Um, so hopefully that'll come out very soon, if not the next episode. Um, I just got to get on the ball. I just need more t- I need more time, guys. But, you know, enough bitching. So, until next time, um, as usual, like the Facebook page. Twitter is That's Nickcast. Go listen to Intercomics Podcast. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, our website, snickcast.podbean.com. That's going to do it. So, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. I promise to be better. <laughs> Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>